place that is uh, all this re- reset, reset, reset. The trail is a good question. Yeah, the, the trail is a place where you can go and escape all of life's challenges that that are pulling at you from different angles. It gives you an opportunity to reflect on life. You get out here on the in the trail, and you can just get into that moment where it's just perfect. I mean, it's just a, a really amazing experience that's entirely free. That, my friends, was Harvey Lewis, a very accomplished ultra runner and just an all-around good guy. And that's the beginning of his documentary that just came out on Amazon called Like Harvey, Like Son. And I highly recommend it. And this is the Miles with Marty podcast, episode 46. Welcome. I'm going to jump right into the interview with Harvey right after a brief word about our sponsor, Squirrel's Nut Butter, and a little music. Let's live it up while we still can. Hello friends, this is the Miles with Marty podcast, home base for running community love, and you are welcome here. We're sponsored by Squirrel's Nut Butter, and I really believe in this product. Let me tell you a little story about my first Ultra. It was October of 2020, and it was the Blue Ridge Ultra up, and you guessed it, Blue Ridge, Georgia. Shout out to race directors Hunter and Jeff Leninger for an awesome race. A hurricane, I believe it was called Delta, had hit the Florida Gulf Coast a day or two before that and was moving northeasterly up through the mountains of North Georgia. And it happened to hit the night before the race. And so at race start, it was pouring rain. I mean, pouring rain. A good friend of mine had recommended Squirrel's Nut Butter to me, and I ordered some on Amazon to try it out. And at the start of the race, it was pouring rain. I applied that stuff generously to my feet all over and to all the areas that may chafe. This was my first race in the mountains of North Georgia, and so my plan was to power hike the steep uphills and bomb the downhills. Well, during the first really long downhill, a guy in front of me lost his footing and separated his shoulder. So that changed my strategy, and it slowed the race down drastically. So I spent a long time on this course for my first 50K. I made it under the cutoff, but it was not pretty. But it was during that long amount of time, I never reapplied the squirrel's nut butter and never had not one blister or chaping. Now, I won't tell you the product that I used before that, but it rhymed with Gotti and Slide. And I can tell you from experience, I had only done marathons and shorter before that. And it did not even last, you know, through a four and a half, five hour marathon. So I am now a loyal user and ambassador of Squirrel's Nut Butter. Spread the lube and your blister and chafing issues will no longer be issues. You can find it on squirrelsnutbutter.com, Amazon, and coming soon to the local running stores near you. Hey everybody, welcome to the Miles with Marty podcast. I have a special guest with me today, Harvey Lewis. Welcome Harvey. Marty, thank you so much. Excited to be with you. 
Man, it's my pleasure. I just love talking about ultra running and Lord knows you got plenty of it to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, man, I'm just really, uh, love your story. So, uh, yeah, it's great to connect. Well, thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, I was, as we talked about before we came on, I just got a chance to watch your awesome movie. I, with Amazon, the great thing about it is, I think, I forgot what the price was. They give you like a price to rent it or to buy it, and it's only like $2 different. So I bought that sucker so I can watch it over and over again. <laughs> but it was I watched it on my flight out to Western States, and man, I just loved it. And uh, I'm going to put a link. If there's a way that I could share a link in the show notes where people can go and get that, because it's a must watch. I mean, it was just great, great uh, movie. It was a great movie. Oh, sure, definitely. I, that, I really appreciate that. It means a lot to hear hear you you uh, say that. Yeah, I, I've got a good friend. Her name is Tina Wolf. That is from Ohio, and you uh, you are like her favorite runner. And as soon as I my plane landed, I texted her and said, "You have got to watch the Harvey Lewis uh, movie because <laughs> it's great." <laughs> oh man. And, well, so I'm sure she has now. I haven't heard back from her, but I'm sure she has. Uh, that's great. Well, Tina, yeah, I'll have to yeah, get get down there and uh, see you guys in Georgia or Florida, you know, in the year ahead. So, yeah, well, she will be down at she's actually running long haul this year, too. So and that ah. will be her first hundred miler. Oh, that's exciting. Well, yeah. I, I, I know Kelly and I would love to come back uh, in January and run Andy's race. It's uh it's one of uh one of the best like places to get away, especially in the wintertime. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it won't be cold this year. It was freezing cold the, uh in the last one. I mean it was like down in the thirties and in Florida, you know, that's like below zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah. kind of funny to watch the reaction of people down there when it gets down <laughs> to that temperature. Yeah. If it's if it gets below sixty, they're wearing parkas down there, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know. I've seen I've seen that before. Sorry, that's my uh my running partner there is like a sounding alarm. <laughs> well, if you need to go shoot a burglar or something. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> but, so anyway, you know, because I'm a huge fan, Harvey, and most people are, but I do have a lot of people that are new to the um ultra running and i've got this one friend named jim who listens to all he actually is my running buddy we we just did a partner race down in miami back a couple of weeks ago there's a race called the miami 50 50 where you have it's kind of like salt and sea where you have to run with a partner yeah yeah Yeah, that that sounds really fun yeah it it is fun and and you do it like a scavenger hunt kind of like you know how the have you heard of the great new york expo race uh no i don't think i have actually okay so it's a hundred miler inside of new york city and they give you like direction cards to find your way to your checkpoints it's kind of like a scavenger hunt you yeah. know it's not it's not uh, designed to be hard to find your way you know it's clear-cut directions but it's urban and so you just you know go two blocks and hang a ride on 21st street and you know that kind of thing but it's yeah. really cool because you have to focus on your directions uh, isn't a Miami 100 is sort of that way as well. Yeah, yeah it's the same race director. This okay. one is just a 50-50. The 100 yeah. is in September. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's, that sounds really nice, like, to be teamed up with someone. Yeah. 
But anyway, so my buddy Jim that we ran that with, he's not a person that knows famous ultra runners. You know what I mean? He, but he runs a lot. And so he will love, he loves my shit podcast because he gets to know all these people. He's, he's not done, you know, he's not like a huge fan that gets online and reads all the Instagram and all that stuff. So, so it's, uh, for those kind of people, just give us, you know, and, and you talked a little bit about it in your movie and I don't want to give, you know, that away, but, I know you you talked about your first race and what got you into running. If you'll just give us a little quick cliff notes of what got you started, that would be cool. Definitely. Uh, you know, it was uh, just like a, a sort of a whim type of experience where I, I like was looking for something uh, to challenge myself with. And I lived in Minnesota. Like there were no mountains to climb. Uh, there was... I didn't have the resources to go fly away somewhere. And I thought in my mind, uh, I had been exposed to like this 24 hour race. And I thought, well, geez, you know, this would be something really special to, uh, to, to experience. Like, uh, for some odd reason, I thought it'd be fun to go after. And, uh, you know, the thing about ultra riding so neat is like, you know, we don't think about it. Everyone is like an equal. You know, there's no such thing as like, you know, um, it, it's just like a very uh, welcoming community uh, and a very down to earth. And like that's uh, so I got that exposure the first race I did. And, and it really has been that way ever since. And I, you know, so it, was, it drew me in and uh, I, I, I was really taken aback by like the um exploring yourself like so i really like the element of exploring uh you know where our mind goes when we're in these difficult places or pushing in like you know things that are conceived like seem to be like inconceivable to like the general population and like how you know you very much can do things um beyond what um what are the conventions and so uh, I remember in that particular race, I like had a goal of just keeping movement, moving the whole time. And, and I remember just being so elated, like the last 45 minutes of the race, I was able to like run uh, like faster than I had the whole race. And I, I mean, it just was uh, a real high and that, that like, just kind of cascaded into more motivation to do another one. And, and then, uh, it just, uh, I was never back in the nineties. There were, there weren't a lot of ultras. <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of remarkable, but the number of ultras in our country is like, uh, increased like, like maybe 15 or 20 fold. Oh, so, yeah. um, you know, back then, like, you know, I, I only honestly did like two races a year because, <laughs> I was a college student, poor college student, but that's also like what was available. We had like a 50K raise. And I mean, there were a couple others up in that time period in Minnesota, but like I just did like the ones uh, that weren't that far from the Twin Cities. So, yeah, uh, yeah. and and it just kind of blossomed from there. Now, you did you did the flying pig as like a teenager, though, didn't you? It was Cleveland. I did the Cleveland uh, back then Refco Marathon. Okay. I've been doing the flying pig for 25 years, but the Cleveland marathon was my first race. I did that when I was like 15, 15, just jumped in 
Uh, I wasn't much of a runner at the time, but like I had come up with it. I had had seen it like uh, on TV and it just got my curiosity. And and I was like, I told my mom, yeah, I want to go down and run the marathon. And uh, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) So somehow I managed to survive in like five hours something. But uh, it was uh, like definitely a, 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 a challenge for sure. Yeah. yeah. And didn't I hear you say somewhere that it took you several years to break five hours? Yes. Yeah. It actually took me uh, five, five years to break uh, five hours. And I'm going to move outside because apparently Carly is just, she's really worked up. <laughs> Carly is my fear, fearless uh, running partner here. She's yeah. a, a rescue dog. And uh, she might not look like much, but she she she's got a lot of energy. <laughs> That's usually the best. So, so um, you were asking about the uh, the marathon or about getting under five hours. Yeah, so it it did take me uh, five years to break uh, the uh, the five hour barrier for myself. And like honestly, back then I really I never really imagined like I could run you know, four hours in a marathon or like three and a half hours or three hours, you know, I just hadn't like, I I didn't, I never had a coach or, you know, anything like that. I just kept, (laughs) kept on running at the wall and try to chisel away. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a wild ride for me because, you know, I entered this running thing, like where I was in the very back of the, the group. Uh, and I, and it was a long time back then. <laughs> and then it just gradually uh, over years, just climbing and clawing and climbing and clawing and then to, you know, win races now. And you know, I imagine eventually one day I'll be back to the back of the back of the group again, you know, so it's all right. You know, it's, uh, when I'm running with my buddy, Mike Fremont, he's 101 and he's the fastest person in the world is 101, but we're in the back of the group. <laughs> you know, the 5k group. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's just part of life cycles. Yeah. Yeah. He, that's, he's a huge inspiration. I've seen him on your Instagram. He's still doing chin-ups too, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he is something uh, quite amazing like that. Yeah. So what was the thing that turned you around in the, in the speed category? Did you just, did you get a coach or did you just figure something out with yourself or just kept working harder? Well, yeah, I've, I've never had a coach uh, ever, <laughs> and so uh, it's all all been like self coached. Uh, I do have, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I I just just like little steps. Uh, it, nothing like came overnight, um, but uh, you know, nutrition was a big element. Like I changed my nutrition; that was a big element. Like. Uh, I, I went to being vegetarian and then I actually had a big bump forward with that. Uh, and then I just, uh, I broke my neck too. That was, that was another one. So in 2004, I broke my neck that, that kind of had a part of my, my mindset to, to being more, uh, driven, uh, with it. And so I think that, that, that was another, another element. And then just the, the experiences along the journey, like all, all these different races that we've run. I, I just ran my hundredth ultra in Australia. Wow. So 
that was the the dead cow golly uh masters championship yeah and uh th that's kind of wild to see it go from like through all those uh, races uh there was one of my my family relatives by marriage uh who's australian sam came out to the race he lives in brisbane now and it was kind of wild because i didn't even realize it but he was at my first race in the, <laughs> the twin cities and wow. then he was at my hundredth race <laughs> so that that was kind of neat for him to see too because he had seen me like back when i did my first race and you know <laughs> i'm just trying to survive and i'm dying <laughs> to like now the hundredth race where i'm like I got a new American record and it's like, what happened? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, this has been like 27 years. You're still like doing this stuff. Yeah. That yeah. one. So that one ended up with what? 375. How many miles did you end up with that? At that one? Yeah, it was uh 375 miles. Yeah. And, and then those, the last, the first two places, they ended up going, what, another 10 yards or something like that or nine or 10. That's right. So, uh, Sam Harvey matched the Belgium record of 101 yards. And then Phil Gore uh, got the new world record of 102 yards, which is like 425 miles. That's crazy. Yeah, it's really amazing. They, they, they were really fun to run with. Uh, they, the whole group was amazing to run with out there. Uh, we had uh, four nationalities. We had, one American and one uh, South South African um, cricket player. In fact, it's kind of amazing because he's a professional cricket cricket player, and then he dabbles in this uh, back <laughs> ultra stuff. So it's kind of fun to see that. You know, you, you, it's uh, it's just. Uh, and then we had Kiwis and uh, Aussies there. Um, so the the race director was just amazing um tim walsh he, he uh he, he he put a ton of passion into it and i mean there's there are race directors out there's so many different race directors i've come across and, and really wonderful race directors but um there's a real small like uh set of them that just go the extra yard to like you know do everything you can imagine you know like so he he just did everything i you could imagine to like make that event successful. Yeah. So it seems like with, and I've met some of those race directors and you're right. I mean, it makes you want to go back and be a part of those races every year. And it yeah. sets back, you know, if you're like me and you want to do all the races that makes that hard, especially <laughs> if, they're, if they're like hundred miles or more than that, even. Right. So you, you've kind of found a niche in something that you're really good at with these backyard style races. And so what does it take to be good at that? Is it about tolerating pain or is it about the fuel or is it all of the above? Like, I know one thing is you got to be fast enough to get done to where you can do the stuff, like take care of your feet and get some mm. calories and all that. So what is it that makes you so good at those kind of races? Well, you know, I like to be very diversified and I think that that's part of it. Like, I mean, I, I've been on the 24 hour USA team, like for 12 years, I've um, done the uh, bad water race and been really successful winning that twice. I've like uh, done a lot of like trail ultras, like uh, superior 100 to Mohican 100. And I do really well in those two. So 
I feel like that the the backyard is kind of set up that if you're a really strong trail runner, but you don't like the road, it's going to be really difficult. If you're a really strong road runner, but you don't like trails, it's going to be really difficult. So if you're someone who is, uh, enjoys like multiple, like anything that's thrown at you, hot, cold, long, then you can adapt. And I mean, anyone can adapt to like these type of things. Um, but I think that, you know, my, my diversity is an asset for the race. And then, uh, I also like, I, I like, um, strategy, you know, I really love the strategy element. Uh, and I, I, I sort of excel in races where you're like, there's a mental component, a large mental component in the race. So, uh, like a 50k race where it's just all out speed i mean I, i'm pretty fast in like a, a regional sense but like when it comes down to like you know walmsley and i i mean walmsley's <laughs> gonna destroy me in a 50k race but if it's a backyard format oh <laughs> walmsley's gonna be his for some long long days <laughs> It's yeah, gonna it's, be it's gonna be more than a twenty four hour, right? <laughs> long days, and my my body doesn't break down very easily. You know, it's like that's another thing I've been very successful with is, you know, it's like uh, fortunately, knock on wood, but like uh, I've been very fortunate to not have you know major injuries, and you know, so that that's uh, that's another like thing that does really well in the backyard. Um, the nutrition, like I eat all plant-based foods and to be honest with you, there's an advantage with that too, in the backyard format, because your body processes the foods quicker and you have less inflammation. Um, so there's some advantages with the food as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I just like it. Like, I mean, I think if you like something, you're going to do better in it too. Yeah. So. I, I enjoy like the challenge. I, I like the camaraderie. I like the, you know, you get to hang out with everyone the first, you know, laps and days. First day, everyone's like hanging out. And then it gets more competitive as you're going. And you have like these mind games with each other. And then sometimes you have like collaborating. It's kind of like survivor. <laughs> There's survivor. So like, what's going to happen next? It has a fun aspect. Like Laz did a great job of inventing this like format. You know, it's like it's exciting because anybody can win. Like we have this uh world championship is coming in October, and it's gonna be a total, total like battle royale. There's gonna be like 65 people coming who have all won uh, or been champions of their own country in the backyard ultra. So everyone's coming with the intention of winning. <laughs> so so that 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 puts a, that's really challenging, you know. It's like you gotta have maybe day three. There's gonna be like twelve people left, and everyone still wants to survive and be like, you know, the the final person. So it's like you really have to like deal with like a, a lot of pressure in order to like continue and work through and like uh, come up with you know surviving out surviving everyone. Yeah. So now is it a standard with those races now that uh, the daytime they're on trails and after dark they're on road? Well, that, that's really the the uh, standard. Like um, that's the tradition that was established at Big's Backyard. So, but to be honest with you, um, Laz has created it in such a way to make it 
like uh, so that people can do this race anywhere in the world. So like our number one goal is to like expand, to have more people be able to participate. And it's not like the Ironman where you have to pay $10,000. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Ironman. But like, you know, like people can start this race in their backyard in Bangladesh or, you know, like uh, anywhere like Luxembourg to, uh, you know, Oma, oh man, oh man. Like um, there, there's like, you know, anyone can start one of these races and there's not like a financial element that causes a barrier. So you don't have to pay into like a agency or LAS or anything like that. So it's really phenomenal because people can start this and, and we've seen it like there's over like 60 countries that people are running these in and tens of thousands of people run it now. So it it's uh it's great in that sense. And uh the the in those four a lot of the, the uh other countries that have had it, they'll just have like a simple loop that they do the whole time. Um but whenever I I talk to people about it who are race directors. I try to encourage them to do 12 hours or 11 hours on the trail and 12 or 13 hours on the road because that simulates what Laz had originally created. And that's also like they're preparing to do the world championship. So I feel like it's not the same uh, to like do the same exact loop as it is to do the alternating loop because that's the whole principle of like the tradition behind the race. So yeah. like talk to Sarah Smith who has done an amazing job with capital and like she she's formatted it now. So she has the I believe they have like the the trail now in the day and then the the road at night. And um they they went over 300 miles with Scott uh and uh Jen Russo. And, uh, you know, like with the Australian race, I told them that I wasn't going to come unless they did like the format where they did 12 hours in a day uh, on the trail and 12 hours on the road. And I know some people weren't so thrilled about that because they didn't like running on the road. But on the other hand, it like was great preparation for everyone there that wants to do bigs because it's preparing them for like what the reality is. And yeah, so. I, I kind of like uh, I feel like that for like the world record, too, I feel like that from my perspective, I kind of feel like it should have like the trail and the road. Like I know like um, the Germans uh, or the, the Alex, the race director of the German race, uh, they they did just one style loop the whole way, like um, going back to one of the world records that was established, I believe, in time. And I mean, it's fine if that happens that way, but I just think that like the tradition is more the trail for 12 hours and the road for 12 hours, or it could be like a variation of that, like 11 and 13. Yeah. But I think that's more like the, that's more in line with the tradition of like the race, but yeah. <laughs> cool. So speaking of last, then there's a, so you've also done Barclays a couple of times, right? Yes. Yeah, I've done Barkley a couple times, and uh, I still have to work on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I talked to John Kelly back about right after about a couple of weeks after that one, and you know something that you said about strategy, you know, and I just talked to Bob Hearn last night actually, and it seems to me that a lot of really successful ultra runners and things like where you have to have put some thinking into it are super smart like that, and uh, yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, you know, it, it, it's true. Like, um, especially Barkley, like you have to be uh, completely um, alert and like you have to be thinking nonstop. So, I mean, like in so many ultra, imagine how many ultra run ultras we've seen where, you know, we've been there before too, where like people are like getting dehydrated and they're, they're kind of slurring the words and it's yeah. like they're facing some sort of elements where it's hot or cold, or they're just like fatigued. And the thing is, is like with Barkley, you cannot afford to like not be like have your your brain processing at a hundred percent capacity. It's like I mean it, it's gonna get it's gonna be pushed, but the thing is is you have to like be uh, constantly not only monitoring things you would normally monitor in a race, like okay how am I doing on my nutrition, how am I doing on my pace, how, but you have to constantly be like you know, navigating thinking. Of, there's a lot of like elements uh, involved with like the the difficulty of like you know running at nighttime and in down on no you're not on trails so it's trying not to crash you know it's uh it's quite an experience and um, yeah I still haven't mastered it yet so I I need to like I need to follow John Kelly more around I guess <laughs> yeah so so not mastering it. Does that make you want to continue to do that and try to do it? Or do you get to a point where you say a man's got to know his limitations and I found that I'm better at the backyard format? Yeah, or I'm stubborn. Like, so I, I still <laughs> like, like learn in areas I'm not as, as, as strong in. That's okay. Like, I think it's good to like, you know, keep trying to get better. So, right. I mean, I don't know, uh, you know, if I have another shot at doing Barkley in the next year or two or three or whatever, but um, because it's very hard to get in the race. I mean, I literally get emails at least once a month or messages once a month from other people asking how to get in the race from <laughs> planet. So, you know, it's like, uh, it's, it, it, I'm just one of the contestants in the, so it's amazing. Like that, that, that race is really, uh, you know, something that, that uh, is a positive, you know, so I, I I like the mental aspect of the race. So, yeah, and then one, then last, and and you've done the strolling gym. That's part. That's his. Laz's. Now, what about the the two long, the longer ones, uh, Hots and uh, Ball State? Did you, have you ever had any desire to do any either of those? Yeah, you know, I I I think it would be interesting. Like, definitely to do one of those races. Uh, it it's um mainly like I just have so many things I'm involved with, and it's like. <laughs> everything right so did you just have bob hearn on talking yeah. about talking okay. about hots well of all state and hots yeah yeah yes so, uh, yeah i i think it, it's a race i would love to do one day um but i always do bad water every year so like that that that's like a streak i have and it's kind of like an annual pilgrimage returning to the desert i really love it so that that's um yeah that 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 date's always occupied and then I take people on running and hiking holidays to Portugal with a small business I create called RunQuest. So I often take people in June or July. So that kind of interferes with that too. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I would like to do it sometime. So, you know, I, Bob just told me that there's a new one that he is creating that Les is creating called the Circle of Hell or something like that. Have you heard about that one? 
no, Lash hasn't told me about that one yet. <laughs> so it's supposed to be, I think, in August, and it's it's supposed to be more elevation than the other two, and so a similar okay. distance, but more elevation. So maybe he's always scheming on scheming to come up with something, but his <laughs> now is he's planning to you know go across the country again. Yeah. So that that's uh, he's gonna have to put some of these races on the back burner. But I don't know. Laz loves it. So it's like. <laughs> yeah. Did mention bad water. So let's just jump right into that. And so you said you've won it a couple of times and you've top five more, many more times other than that. So for an Ohio slash Minnesota guy, does it, does it get really, well, it's not, I mean, is it humid up there in the summertime? And uh, Same kind of humidity you guys got in Georgia. <laughs> but yeah, it, it gets definitely warm. Uh, in fact, uh, it, it's Ohio can be pretty humid and hot. Yeah. So and, what do you what do you do to acclimate? Do you do sauna stuff, or you run with lots well, of clothes on? Yeah, you know, I usually uh, will do a variation of things. Like it kind of depends on the year. Um, this year, I just got back from like Queensland, Australia, like oh, a week ago, less than a week ago. So I've actually been like in that that race I did there was like so hot in the daytime we had ice and then at okay. nighttime freezing it was so <laughs> crazy at like this forty degree temperature swing it was nuts um, but so I got a little heat training down there for half the day in Queensland <laughs> um, but yeah I, all this week I've been going to a sauna and I just love the heat like I I just will like go to the sauna like on a typical like few times a month uh like throughout the year so i kind of keep my body always like heat adjusted and um but like in the early days i would wear a lot of clothing and go out and run for like you know 40 minutes or something like that the neighbors thought like that i really lost it because (laughs) winter coats and like crazy stuff yeah it's you know it's important to build up to that stuff like heat is is dangerous like uh you know for for people like um but uh yeah it's something i've always been fascinated with the desert and um you know especially like death valley is like an exotic terrain it's um my my buddy jeff Harmon, who actually is the one that that suggested that that we connect who's one of your avid like followers on your podcast he did the bad water race uh just recently as well and he's he was on my team so it's kind of neat because i've had people on my team like jeff uh over the last uh 11 years who have then gone on and run the race themselves uh there's another guy who's going to be running this year from cincinnati eric hunziker and he was on my team before he's now run the race several times so it's kind of neat to see like uh, all these people that we've been involved with and 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 then there's people i i also just uh see every year there so um there's not many races i do that i, I do them every year but bad water is one of those i i just enjoy the the draw to it every year yeah now you didn't your fiance do it last year for the first time she did yeah she uh she was um it was quite amazing because she she was attacking it from the opposite end like i mean she was just barely making she was in in several cases she was the last person to make the cutoff so it was very stressful 
And like for me, it was stressful. I was I was really nervous that you know it didn't it doesn't matter to me if she finishes or not finishes, other than the fact that I want her to you know be happy and enjoy herself. But you know, I was concerned about how she's doing, and you know, so like uh, I would get relayed messages, and I was really just uh, it was such a really amazing experience to like um, go out and see her uh, with about. 20 miles, 25 miles to go. And then to see her again when she was going through Lone Pine was about 12 miles ago. And then see her one more time as we drove past to like go up to the finish line and see her. So it, that was like a really neat experience to see her um, push through all that difficulty. And like, uh, I was really proud of her efforts. Cool. So long haul is one of those that you've done multiple times too. It's like you had a long stretch of just about every year, right? Yeah. This last year I ended up doing another really nice uh, Florida race, uh, which was uh, in the woods, 30A, uh, 50K. And also I feel like um, we we had, uh, Kelly was in a reality show. <laughs> so that that's that's it so we we haven't exactly she hasn't gotten to the point where she can announce what that reality show was um i think it's going to come out in like november um but due to that reality show we weren't able to like go down to to do the long haul race in january okay. but yeah it's going to be kind of neat when she can share is a, is a big big thing yeah that's cool yeah the the race directors for my first ultra the leningers who do that one, the Blue Ridge Ultra I was talking about, they did a reality show up in Alaska called Race to Survive. And that was kind of like orienteering. And, you know, it had, uh, what do you call it? Bushwhacking and rowing and all kind of stuff. So it sounds like some good Barkley training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the guy who, uh, my first Barkley race I did, um, I, I, I tagged on to uh, Greg Hamilton. Uh, who is a uh, Kiwi, and he is the world champion of Rogaine, like which is this adventure <laughs> where you you find your way. And I met him the day before the race, and I was just immediately like, the guy is really likable. And I also knew, like, you know, as a as a virgin coming into that race, you really want to like find a veteran. And he is just like has an incredible mind. Uh, that guy could find like a a pin needle like up uh, two miles away and hit it within a meter. I mean, wow. it's like, it's so impressive just going to direct a tangent, but amongst the, the giant amount of gear that he brought, which Sarah Smith was a crew member was a raft. <laughs> I was like, we were trying to think, okay, this man is so prepared for this race. He's prepared for the, like a, a, a Armageddon like storm where it's going <laughs> to Rivers are so giant that you can't go across them that you have to get in your raft. Curious <laughs> as man was about finishing the Barkley. Wow, he, he made it the farthest that year with Carl Sabel, but uh, yeah, he definitely uh, is in his cars if he wants to. He, he could do that race one day. Yeah, but I need that raft. I hear you. Yeah, at uh, Western States this weekend, that river that they crossed was so deep that they had to go across in a raft. Right. So tell me, what was your favorite uh, part about Western States? Oh, man, it would have to. Well, I got to do uh, I worked volunteered with medical 
uh, at mile 55.7, which is Michigan Bluff. And so, and before the runners arrived, I got there very early. So I was able to go out and run on the trail. Like I had an hour to spare. So I ran like a mile and a half, two miles out and back. And so one, to be able to run on that trail, I mean, it's a beautiful trail, although that particular section had gotten burned back in September of last year. So Mm. being able to run the trail and then, you know, what's very fulfilling is to be able to help some, I had, we had several people come into our medical tent that were, um, did not look good. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, it's a pretty good climb that you're coming in to get into that aid station. It's about a thousand feet and, uh, two miles. Mm. It's a decent climb, not the hardest in that race, but a decent climb. And it's after 50 miles. So, you know, the, the elites were just kind of flying by no big deal to them, but you know, the, the middle and back of the Packers, you could tell that they had been working and there were several that came into our, our med tent that were hurting what their feet were trashed or were cramping really bad. And so, you know, there was this one particular guy that came in there and he had, was having leg cramps and I, I rubbed some cramp cream on his legs for him. And, you know, we gave him pep talks and, and I don't know if you, have you met a- Andy Jones Wilkins before? AJ? Yeah. So anyway, he was hanging out at that aid station and he came over. He has a real, you know, he demands respect there because he's wearing this silver 10 year buckle which means you finished that race 10 times under 24 hours so that commands respect there <laughs> and so he comes over there wearing his silver buckle and he said now get your ass up out of this chair and let's go to walking down the trail you know what i mean and so this guy when he left our med tent his lip was quivering you know uh mm-hmm. it's you could tell he was in bad shape he was hurting but he started walking and when he i saw him finish in the golden hour because after mm. my job was done, I was able to go to the finish line. And that golden hour, that last hour, which is the people yeah. similar to me that are out there fighting, you know, for 20. That was exciting. And so to see him come across that line after I had, you know, I didn't believe he would finish. It's so fulfilling to know that you played a small part in helping them get there. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, so nice. That that would I think that would probably be my favorite part of that race is that, you know, golden hour. Yeah, and what's so cool there, and it happens a lot of races, but all of the people in the front, you know, were there to watch that last hour to see those people come across and cheer them. The girl who finished last, she finished with like 20 seconds left to go in the hour, you know, and she was treated like she was treated as well as Courtney was treated for setting the course right. I love that. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Now, is your background in, in something medical? No, not at all. I actually... Uh, I, I manage a tile and stone store here in my hometown. <laughs> I, love, I love tiles and stones. So, uh, but anyway, one of my guests about six weeks ago or two months ago, and, and I had no clue she was even affiliated with Western States. She's a foot care expert. Her name is Tanya Olson. She actually okay. co-wrote the book, Fixing Your Feet, with John Bonhoff. Yes, I, I've met her, I believe, out in Death Valley. <laughs> So anyway, she, I interviewed her about, you know, foot care and all, and she told me, you know, she got to talk, she, this year made her 15th year out there to, to fix feet at, and she said, you know, she said, yeah, I would love to have some help out there, you know, with so many people coming here at one time. I said, mm-hmm. I would gladly, you know, cause I look, volunteering at races is every bit as fulfilling as running them. I and you can't run every race, you know, 
And so, yeah, I said, I would gladly come out there on my own dime just to, you know, be able to be there. And uh, so I did. Very nice. I learned a lot from her. I learned, you know, she's, she's very, she don't keep it like a trade secret. She's very teaching, you know, of it and sharing it, her knowledge. And she wants everybody to succeed, you know, and that's the cool thing about medical volunteers is a lot of us ultra runners try to avoid that medical tent because we're scared to death. They're going to tell us we need to drop. Right. And so I got to see firsthand that it's not that at all. It's the exact opposite of that. They want to do anything they can to get your butt out of that tent and get you back on that trail, you know, and and to keep you in the race. And uh, that's that's inspiring. You know, I really love that. It's really nice. Yeah. So enough about me. We're supposed to be talking about you. But I'm always so the last thing really that that I really wanted to spend some time on and is your uh, film that you did. I don't know if you call it a movie or documentary or whatever about the Appalachian Trail. I know we don't want to give away any of the good stuff, but just talk about the concept. Now, was this actually filmed? Was that 2022? Was that last year when you all did that? No, believe it or not. uh, It actually was filmed in 2018. Oh, really? Uh, Yes, that's right. So, uh, it, you know, the um, it, it just was like it, it definitely. It, I'm so grateful to to have it to have it. It's uh, it captured just a a uh, extraordinary adventure with my father. Uh, something that you know, uh, it's like wow. Well, when I see the film, I, I relive it, and it, it draws me back into the nature of the trail, the sounds. The, the senses, uh, the, um, the, the difficulty, <laughs> it's so difficult, you know, and also the, the, the whole culture of the, the Appalachian trail. So it, it's, um, yeah, it, it definitely, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for the, the experience of my father and, you know, it's, I, I've, I've come across like, um, uh, some really nice stories and it was great that you shared with me like when we first talked today about how you know you found it moving and and uh while you were watching on the plane and and uh i, I ran into a young man yesterday training in the sauna who actually i'd never met before uh owen and he was he watched it with his mother over the last weekend he's heading off to to uh boot camp in the army in three or two days from now and like he said, it was an inspiring movie for him, like to watch before going to boot camp. And I ran into Carly and I were doing a walk last night. We ran into another guy who's walking his dog. He's like, "Hey, I watched your documentary." <laughs> so I met him, uh, like, and he's like, "Yeah, it really inspired him to like think about his relationship with his father and want to like, you know, do more things with his father while he can." And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I um, I'm, I'm. I'm grateful to hear these like connections people are making. And, uh, you know, I just hope it inspires people to get out into, you know, get out and, and like explore nature, get out and like be, you know, enjoy movement and uh, also to uh, connect with the relationships in their lives. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I love the part, you know, it, there was a part at the end where you talk about how, you know, when, when it's all said and done, whether or not you you get an FKT, if you're doing it for an FKT or if you're doing it for a journey, you know, and just the experience to have something, you know, to set a goal on and to not really have a reward at the end, like a belt buckle 
which I don't know at uh, I don't even know what you get at a backyard race if you get a belt buckle or a shirt, a t-shirt or what. But DNF from Laz. You get a what? A DNF from Laz. <laughs> but anyway, you know, there but just a challenge, a personal inner inner challenge that really has no reward other than all of that inside stuff that you talk about and describe so well, you know, the, in the journey, uh, it makes that attractive to me too. Uh, you know, in addition to the relationship part with my dad, stepdad, but, uh, yeah, so it made me think about what could I do, you know, and I got to thinking about maybe I could, you know, run across Georgia, you know, yeah. something like that. And, you know, awesome. I mean, you know, our friend Andy Matthews did an FKT down in Florida this year, right? Are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty neat. Lolly, the lollipop thing. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a long journey he made. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm not interested in the lollipop because there's too many wild animals down there. Gators, snakes. <laughs> Alligators going to get you. I would love to do something. You know, I definitely don't have a 2,000 plus mile Appalachian Trail, but I definitely would love to do something, you know, like Pinote Trail or something like that. Something that's not. And and I'm inspired to do it. You you know, I don't feel like I have the uh, skills to go for an FKT, but you don't have to. You know, you like you you don't have to. It can be your personal FKT. You know, you don't have to. uh, Yeah, it's like. it's, it, as Laz talks about it, we we talk occasionally in, he, through our adventures in the past, and he talks about like journey runs. So it's like for him, it's a journey run. You know, uh, I I mean, it's nice you have these FKTs or you have Strava or you have things like that, but you know, it, it's it's just you can get a lot out of it by just making a, a route and saying, Oh, I want to go and do this thing. And it's going to be something I've never done before. And yeah, I'm challenging myself. Yeah. That can be just boarding. Yeah, definitely. So we can share a link to the movie and the show notes and uh, definitely want to do that. And uh, so let's see yeah. what else, what else have I not covered? I got all my little notes here. We talked about Barkley and the Rick. Right. Now, one thing I noticed, I was looking at your ultra sign up and there was a big stretch between like 99 and 06 where there was nothing. Did you, was that when you broke your neck? No, uh, I basically, I, I would only do like one race a year. Um, pretty much I would do like, uh, fans, 24 hour race. Um, there was like also a 50 K race called stone steps in Cincinnati. Um, and I was busy. Uh, I had uh, my son very young. So, uh, I was a young parent and, uh, you know, I was still doing like a couple marathons a year, but just wasn't like, um, it was, I also dabbled in the Ironman. Oh, yeah? A little, yeah, a little bit with Ironman. But um, just, uh, yeah, a, a really sporadic, you know, just doing a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think I got back into, I really got more into ultras. And I'd say I went to India and I followed the, like Gandhi's Salt March. Uh, it was like 241 miles. I did that in like 2007. And uh, yeah, that that cow was another thing that 
that just kind of led into like more ultras. And I feel like maybe it was around like 2009, I went up to Canada and I did a hundred mile race. I, I won that hundred mile race um, up in Ontario. And then uh, I, I just kind of got into like more and more races, went back into the fans race and in like, uh, I, it was like a long dream of mine to win the race. I, I finally won it, I think, in like 2010. And so then it, that, was, that was a kind of a neat experience going from like, you know, just uh, finishing more towards the back of the pack to like winning that race and then just more and more races. And like recently, like recent years, I've been getting a little carried away. <laughs> like, like it sounds like you get carried away too, Marty. <laughs> Like how many races are you doing a year now? Well, I've got two two hundred milers, but I've got several uh, like twelve hour races, and I just like I did Keys one hundred, and I was going to ask you about that. I did Keys one hundred back in May, and then three weeks later, I did the fifty miler in Miami. And that's then, a lot. Yeah, yeah that's a- and that and that's and that's all on pavement. So that that fifty miler was a little painful the last ten miles or so. <laughs> my bottom of my feet started hurting. But, uh, and I've got, I don't have another, well, I've got a, a short trail race in July, toward the end of July, but I do a couple of 12 hour races in August and September. My big goal race for the rest of the year is Havelina 100 in October. In October. Yeah. Yeah. So Kelly should be there too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is pretty nice. Yeah. I would love to come out to that one one of these days. But you're um, going to be, that's right at the same time as uh, Backyard, right? Okay. Yeah, I'll be playing in, enmeshed in the Bigs backyard, and uh, yeah, I, I yeah. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. But last year I did, I think I did uh, eleven, ten or eleven ultras, and that was the most I've done in a year. And this year I'm on track for a lot too. Like I've done, <laughs> I think like six. Uh, I've done like on average one a month, but I think like you know it. it, it I could run one every weekend if I willed myself and I had the time, but I think there is like finding a happy medium place and like you could injure yourself uh, if you overdo it. And I mean, also like if you want to be very, if you want to be, if you want to push your level of competitiveness in terms of what your capacity is, it's, it can be difficult to do that if you run too many. You know, like you, you, it's hard for you to build up and then, um, to peak and things like that. So, um, but nevertheless, you know, I'm kind of like my dog Carly here. She, she, she just can't resist the, the, the running. (laughs) So, so so the dead cow gully, that's what you called it, right? In New Zealand, that was called? uh, It was in Australia, but I did go to New Zealand on the way over there and we had a lot of movies in it. So what what day did that? How long has that been now? It's been about a week and a half, right? That it ended. Yeah, it ended on Wednesday, and now it's like Thursday. So it's been a week and a day. Okay. Wow. And so, and then you've got exactly a week. Well, not uh, no. It starts uh, July. Five, five days of bad water. Yeah. So, or do you feel? Have you run? Oh, you you've got a running streak. So you've been running every day, right? Yeah. So I've run every day. Um, you know, I still don't know whether I'm gonna be competing to try to get the you know lofty goal of like trying to finish in the podium or if I'll be competing to like try to finish last. 
<laughs> yeah, that's, what, that's where I was going with that. If you thought you would be competitive after just two weeks of recovery. Yeah, I, I honestly, uh, I couldn't tell you exactly. I, I, I will give my very best effort. And, uh, but I, I honestly couldn't tell you if I'm be competing to be last or if I'm going to be competing to be in the podium. So it's an interesting element. For doing all of those miles, how are your feet right now? Like, I know you're a squirrel's nut butter guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the skin, the outer layer is fine. Um, I mean, I, I, I'll lose like one toenail. That's a big, no big deal. Um, but like, I have like no blisters or anything like that. Now the, like the integrity of like my body is pretty good. Uh, I have Mr. Miyagi work on me a little bit. Um, I'm a little bit more little, little bit. I'm not like, uh, you know, like it's not like I've been peaking for this race here and I I've been like tapering. So right. <laughs> my body has a little bit of like, you know, bruises and things, you know, for, for running, a, you know, the 375 miles. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but yeah, for the most part, you know, it, a lot has, I have recovered, um, a lot, um, uh, given all that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens and, yeah, there's no, I'll just do my very best and that's how it is. Yeah. So you, now you said you were plant-based, so you're vegetarian, but not, not vegan or are you vegan? Now? Well, I'm actually vegan. Yeah. Okay. I'm, and so, I, during the race, I don't like, uh, you know, eat, I eat a lot of unhealthy vegan foods, you know, like, uh, chips and, um, vegan mac and cheese and things like that. But during the, the, the rest of the time, like when I'm, striving to recover i'm eating uh, more healthy things and uh yeah it definitely has an influence i feel in terms of my recovery time so what is your go-to like in bad water for example what is your go-to fuel to is there something that you you have a crew there and so you don't really have to carry much with you you can get it right you meet up so what's yeah. the go-to vegan fuel for you on the road sure well, uh, with Badwater, it's a different style race because it's so hot. So being that it's like 120 degrees, your body doesn't really do great um, digesting like solids. So I will like eat, uh, I will drink a lot of my calories. So I have like tailwind and I also have like coconut water and uh, the sweet tea and Coca-Cola and, and Dr. Pepper and mango juice and uh aloe juice and root beer and do you like oh, do you like cold fruit uh i do have cold fruit so like i'll like do like uh i'll do squeezable like chia seed um like fruit and then i'll also like have watermelon and um like some sort of puddings will be great um Sometimes I'll do like uh, mashed potatoes, like a vegan mashed potatoes that are mixed with vegetable broth. And like that, I can, if, if it's, um, if it's got enough vegetable broth in it, I can almost like drink it like soup. And that is, it might not sound appealing, but it's really good for like, yeah. uh, having parts of like sodium and, and, uh, calories. It's like very good. Um, but yeah, I, I, and I also get like some vegan, like sweet things from like 
whole foods that I don't normally eat, but it's just like, like cupcakes or, or vegan cupcakes or vegan muffins. They have these Abe's muffins and they just have like, they're very high calorie density. Um, I, I like that. So it, that's great. In Australia, I had for the backyard, I mean, I had, um, some of my favorite things were like, I had, um, the, um, avocado toast that was phenomenal. I had uh, vegan pancakes with uh, maple syrup, which were amazing. I had uh, these uh, veggie wraps, which were phenomenal. Like that was really good. There were um, vegan mac and cheese. Um, Yeah, there was so many things I ate. (laughs) Now the race was providing that or that was things that you arranged to have there? Uh, I have a crew member, uh, Sam, oh. <laughs> came over with me. And then there was a local lady, Allison, and her uh, 13-year-old son, Nathan, who were um, in the community that came out and crewed me. And they came up with these really great vegan foods. And I was like, oh, my God. So <laughs> in the middle of the country in Australia, and I was really surprised, like, their IGA there had, like, all these vegan options. Yeah. So in Ango, I couldn't believe it. But, yeah, there was a lot of options out there. Yeah. Now, as far as uh, shoes go, are you a Newton guy? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love my Newtons. And like they're probably about uh, one of the, the lesser known shoes that exist. Uh, and they just um, they really work well uh, for like form. Like so I I am like injury resistant. Like I I, I just don't I'm lucky I don't get injured. Um, but it's partly has to do with my form and the, they're, they're just really well-made shoes or they're based out of Boulder, Colorado. Um, they, they are very conscientious towards like the, uh, environment, like, uh, they actually use, uh, recycled materials in, in their shoes as well. And I love the gravity. So I'll wear the gravity in bad water, uh, and also like the distance. They're really nice. Um, but, uh, even like on the trail, like when I was in dead cow golly, I would wear my road shoes, um, in the trail, like the gravity road shoes, because it's not like ridiculously technical and it's just very efficient in terms of my stride. Um, but I also have like road or like trail shoes. I wore like through the whole Appalachian trail. And, um, yeah, I, I, I love the shoes. They have like the amazing colors They really pop. Uh, and it's a, it's a small brand. Um, they, they really, um, they, they come up with some really innovative materials and, uh, they, they're phenomenal. Yeah. So now they, are they a minimal drop shoe or do they have regular, do you know? No. Yeah. They're, they, they're not, they're, and they're not like, um, they're not definitely not minimalist shoes, but they're not like Hoka's, you know, they have like a good solid, um, material. Um, they, they feel very comfortable. Um, they, they're, they're, they're they're durable too. Like, I mean, you know, like the, the vapor flies that people love that, that are, you know, people wear that those shoes last like less than 200 miles. (laughs) Like, (laughs) You know, my, my Newtons, they'll last easily. Like, you know, uh, I wear them like 450, 500 miles. 
Um, you could probably wear them more than that, but like definitely over 400 miles and they're, they're great shoes. Um, so it, it's especially nice just the, 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 they promote uh, positive form and I, I don't want to get kicked out of our conversation, but because I move out of the, the room to grab some, <laughs> we'll try it. Yeah. Yeah. So far, so good. Yeah. Carly's going to get upset because I've, I've moved now. <laughs> So I say, what what am I doing? Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna grab some of my shoes I had in the. My shoes are kind of dirty, uh, um, <laughs> due to the uh, running in the the uh, out or in the in the country. Uh, I was corrected. Like when I was there, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going. The race director's parents. Uh, they're like, no, this is not the outback. This is the country. <laughs> <laughs> the outback is another six hours. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, so these are the, uh, gravity. Oh yeah. Those are nice. And, uh, base. Yeah. They're really bright. Um, but they have the lugs on the front of the shoe, which mm -hmm. you are like, when you're landing, it, you land like very much in the midsole and you take off in the front. So, uh, you know, a lot of shoes kind of like cause people to have knee problems or back problems because they're like landing on their heel versus on the midsole and like going off the front. Uh, and these shoes uh, really help to uh, promote positive like form, whether you're running uh, a mile race or half marathon, or you're running uh, a, a uh, hundred mile or, or 375 mile race. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It, it, that, that's, it definitely, I, I feel they're really good shoes, um, and uh, they they definitely have helped me in the back. Sorry, Carly, they've helped me in the backyard ultras to do very well in them. Especially do you, change, long do you change shoes a lot during a race, like, uh, like in a backyard I, type race? Right. So there's a psychological element to changing your shoe as well as like a physical. Like it's not, it's nice to get in new shoes. So. I don't need to do it, but I actually do. I do it as like a, a reward. So uh, like with uh, the Australian backyard ultra, I did shift shoes and I would like change shoes like every hundred miles, which I didn't need to change shoes every hundred miles, but I just did it. Cause like, it was like a, a reward yeah. um, for backwater. I'll bring like probably two pairs of shoes and I'll probably change my shoes like as an incentive, like somewhere mid race. Um, but again, I don't need to do that. Like, it's just like, it's, sometimes it's like a, a mental incentive to like, to do something like that. And yeah. then with that, the race lasting so long, I mean, a race could go on forever. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's nice to like shift shoes. Yeah. So is it true that at Badwater, if you, don't run on the stripe that your rubber will melt on the pavement. Well, it has happened to some shoe shoe brands, but it's never happened with Newtons. Not the Newtons. Huh? <laughs> All right, Newtons, but it, the right plug again. Yeah, probably those vapor flies, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I've taken up probably enough of your time today, Harvey. I could talk all night about running. Uh, it was great, great chatting with you. And man, I, I love your story. Yeah, it's it's so inspiring to see like that you you got into like running like you did and, and you lost all that weight. I mean, you went from like what weight to what weight? 
I was, I was, I think my biggest was 281, maybe 285. And, uh, and then right, right now I weigh about 189. I got down to 168. When I started running ultras, I put a little weight back on. (laughs) When I was doing all road races, uh, you know, I haven't figured that I, I hired a nutrition coach at one point and I was pretty much, not vegetarian, but I only ate uh, poultry and fish, and she mm-hmm. cut out she cut out the red meat. But I just could not keep that discipline, and you know I felt like I was not making gains because I wasn't eating. You know, I got to where the food wasn't tasting good for me. So I'm kind of in one of those phases where you know uh, I need to eat enough calories to be able to continue to gain from my training, and Absolutely. so figuring out that process, you know, because I still have some, you know, I'll probably, I'm five foot six. So I probably need to be about 160 to mm. be my best for running long distances. You know, it, it helps your, your knees and your joints a lot. I mean, everything, your back, all those things are benefited by, uh, you know, uh, keeping on top of it. You know, it's, um, but that, that's a huge, I mean, such a, a amazing achievement. To go to to lose a uh, hundred pounds, yeah, yeah, it must have felt like you must feel like like ten times better, right? I mean, I used to literally be out of breath tying my shoe, and now you know I I can run a hundred miles and breathe. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's really incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, someone right here is about ready to go for a run. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Yeah, she she's ready. <laughs> yeah. But, Congratulations with that, and I look forward to seeing you hopefully down a long haul. Okay, sounds good. Thanks again for joining, and you have a wonderful night. Hey, definitely cheers, Marty. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, what a fun interview. Harvey really is easy to talk to. That tells you a lot about a person. I can tell you from experience, it's not that way with everybody. At the time of the release of this episode, it's just a few hours before the start of the Badwater race. And so we would like to wish the best of luck to Harvey. Probably by the time most of you listen to this, the race will already be over. I hope you enjoy this episode. The next several will be about Western states. And uh, I know I don't usually turn out so many so often but i've just been blessed with some awesome guests in the last several days and a week or so and so i just can't hold on to them i gotta release them and share them with y'all because they were just so much fun to me next up is an interview with sarah rondorf who got into western states for her first hundred miler on her first try with one ticket and she did very well and so i really enjoyed talking to her and i can't wait to share that with you in just a couple of days. I've also got Katie Scheid, second place female at Western States coming up just just a few days after that and uh, several more and uh, can't wait to share those with you and we'll tell you a little bit more about them as they come out. I want to sincerely thank you for sharing some of your miles with Marty today. I know there's lots of things out there that you could give 60 to 90 minutes of your time. And the fact that you chose me and my podcast and some of my awesome guests means the world to me. I also want to remind you that we're sponsored by Squirrel's Nut Butter. Squirrel's Nut Butter comes in several different forms. Some of my favorites are the original Gangster, which comes in a plastic roll-on type tube, similar to deodorant, and it is an anti-chafe, anti-blood 
blister sap. That's always great. There's a new one that comes in a compostable tube that's entirely plant-based. And then there's the Happy Toes. The Happy Toes is a medicated product that has peppermint and tea tree oils. And it does a great job with repairing dry and cracked skin whilst providing an anti-blister type lubricant for your feet as well. So check them out on squirrelsnutbutter.com. Spread the lube and your blister and chafing issues will no longer be issues. 